Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, so the Hallmark Channel. You guys Ooh. know the Hallmark Channel? Yes, because they, they, mm-hmm. they, they edit Golden Girls episodes so they don't say shit like damn. Or oh, ass. Oh, I thought yeah. this was about Hallmark cards, like greeting cards. No, no, no. no. This is the Hallmark Channel. Uh. Um, so basically, um, they're in. So the Hallmark Channel is this family friendly channel, this network that has increasingly over the years become more and more. Um, best known for their insane amount of Christmas movies. The most right, right. annoying time of year because they shift their programming from Golden Girls to like 24 hours ho- holiday movies in like November, December. And it's really, I mean, it's really nuts. They they they, they order like, I think hunt dozens and maybe even hundreds of I think it's like 30 movies. a year. They have 30 new Christmas movies a year. Well, they go in patterns too. It's like two times a year they do Christmas marathons around Christmas and in the summertime for Christmas in the summer. And then oh. they do like Hallmark mysteries. It's such an odd yeah. choice. Like it's such an odd angle and brand to imagine like mm-hmm. Hallmark, you think of the greeting cards and then like their channel mm-hmm. is like reruns, but they edit out the word ass or damn. And then right. they have right. that show that, um, I don't even know what it's about, but it's called When Calls the Heart, which is like... Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And Lori Loughlin like, was like chicken soup for the soul kind of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Lori Books that I loved. Sorry. Lori Loughlin was on one of them, and it was like very scandalous because Lori Loughlin could not come back to the Hallmark Channel after what she did. Yeah. They, <laughs> it's uh, true. Yeah. Gone with... Uh, uh, um, what was it called? Something with the heart? Peace go. Uh, I just said it. <laughs> there, there, yeah. was, there was one with Andy McDowell where she was like, in a fisher's vi- fisherman's village yes. in like Alaska or something, and she was just like, "I'm starting over." Yeah, I, I, it's the whitest. Andy like- McDowell is my dad's number one crush, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's but strange. but he, he can't he can't say anything more disrespectful than I think she's very pretty, and he leaves it at that. <laughs> I will say I worked with her on something, and she's very sweet. She's very oh, nice. Yeah. nice. That's cool. I love her. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so basically, they you know they, they they churn out all this content, and so now they said that they are currently in quote active negotiations to include LGBTQ storylines in their lineup because uh, they announced forty films for their holiday slate, um, mm. and uh, none of them had an LGBTQ lead. So people obviously like there's there's room to be mad. So people were there was an uproar based on that. And the internet uh, said, "How dare you? <laughs> How not dare there not be <laughs> a gay Santa storyline from your Hallmark? <laughs> a gay Santa played by Debbie Reynolds? God oh rest her soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then a, um, a, a representative from the company said that some of the movies in their Countdown to Christmas and Miracles of Christmas programming will include LGBTQ storylines characters and actors mm-hmm. but they didn't i guess they didn't say lead so that well, caused quite an uproar can i give some background a little bit because danny yeah. pellegrino was actively a past guest two-time mm-hmm. past guest on this yeah. podcast was actively involved in sort of spearheading well a, a large voice in the campaign against hallmark because hallmark as opposed to like lifetime and other networks that do similar kind of things around the holidays or with tv movies and stuff they include, they're more diverse in terms of mm. their storylines and what they do. And Hallmark 
sort of has this sort of unwritten rule where if it's a person of color, they're often the friend, or if there's a if there's a conservative or if there's a storyline, it has to be like, you know, the, the brother can be like, he's just single, wink, wink. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's, and, and it is sort of like, especially when your audience is quite a lot of gay men who are sort of satirically watching your films in sort of a funny way, who are like loving that Candace Cameron Bure is like the star <laughs> of your network and we're obsessed with making fun of her. So we watch your channel and give you so much ad money. And yeah. then it turned into this sort of campaign of where are all the gay people? We're giving you so much money here watching these movies. Where are the gay people? Mm. Gay people really watching the Hallmark channel? I was yes. just going to say the same yes. thing. Yes, they are. People, gay, gay guys, queer people like, like myself and Danny Pellegrino are indeed watching the Hallmark channel, not just for the Golden Girls, but watching these stupid mysteries, watching these stupid holiday movies that are actually kind of bad funny. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're pretty... They look. They all look like a Tommy Wiseau movie, and from what I yeah. see, there's one that has. I forget her name. She's the blonde girl from Smash, who, who sort of played the Marilyn. I don't know her name, but she played this like famous country singer who's single and looking for love, and she goes home for the first time in 20 years because she's so famous, and she gets snowed in, and she falls for the snowblower guy. Blower guy. And yeah. it's like I was. I literally was sitting at home in St. Louis watching this, just enthralled by this story. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have no. I don't, Brent, do you? Does your family watch? Does your family watch Christmas movies? No, no. But my dad was always into the Sci-Fi Channel, which I would I would mm -hmm. put in something mm -hmm. of a similar category because they make so many original sort of made-for-TV movies, and you always go in thinking, in particular, when I'm home with my parents, that's when you're most bored. And you're like, what's the harm? Let me let me watch some dumb movie that'll be fun to make fun of it. And I always find that it's so bad that it's it's just unredeeming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's a it's a really fine line before something becomes like uh, so bad that it's fun again. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really it's sort of it's sort of like a pendulum swing. It's really easy to cross that line either way, where it just becomes unredeeming again. And I just find most of these movies just. They're so slow and boring that I, I can't even, even for camp value, I can't even get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And I, I, was, I always thought, like, I never thought that Danny's love of the Hallmark movies represented a lot of gay people watching it. I really just thought it was like, oh, he I has a soft spot Danny for Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not, guys. It is so not just Danny and Alan. Trust me. Yeah. There is a large portion of gay guys out there watching, not just gay guys, but a lot of people watching yeah. these movies because, I mean, people love Christmas too. I like watching Christmas movies even though I'm not Christian. I, do, you I watch still... them, do you watch them like, or do you and or your family watch them passively? Like, are they made to sort yeah. of be on in the background? They mm -hmm. are kind of because it's just sort of like, it, it's sort of like watching, I don't know, it's like watching that bad movie that you just sort of love and you watch anyway just because it's around and there. And also there's the element of like, and I mean, Elliot, you would get this, where like... How dare those, you? Well, you don't care about these people. That's why you wouldn't get it. But like someone who is sort of a washed up actress doing these kind of films, <laughs> yeah. going to this network and seeing where she is now, it's kind of fun to see because it's like, oh, Annie Potts really sunk low. You know what Maybe I mean? Like, yeah, I, I I understand that. I guess I'm just like, they're so they're so bland that I can't find yeah. that it's hard. Like, I, I guess like Brent said, I'm like, I can't really find camp in it because it's so. 
I don't love the Christmas movies yeah. as much as I love the mysteries because the mysteries, oh my God. Candace Cameron Bure has a series of mysteries <laughs> about like baking or something. Candace Cameron Bure. Who is this are, person? She's from Full, she's from Full House. Oh, she's DJ. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and she's a great example of someone who was on this show that everyone knows and now she's existing because of Hallmark Channel. Mm. And she does these series of mysteries that are so bad they're terrible but i can't turn away from them because they're so good bad it's like where is this gonna go and how much worse could this potentially get and brent you should know that she's fiercely christian and oh, um fiercely fun. christian that's always and, that's always a fun ingredient exactly mm-hmm. and the network clearly dabbles in that realm because even in 2019 there was a whole kerfuffle when the, the network removed, then reinstated a wedding ad featuring mm-hmm. a, uh, two, I think it was two women, a same-sex couple. Which is um, where a lot of this started, this whole gay right. holiday thing started. And in, and oh, in that year, um, Brent's favorite uh, advocacy group, One Million Moms, I joined yeah. <laughs> with LifeSite News, which is a right-wing Catholic news organization criticized <laughs> for promoting false stories. Mm-hmm. And they asked Kalmark to keep the content, the content family-friendly so that they could, quote, promote, uh, keep the promotion of homosexuality and transgenderism out of their movies and commercials. So here's a phenomenon that I've picked up on over the years. There are... Obviously, we live, in, we live in a secular society. There are still lots and lots of religious people, of course, in this country. And yet they cannot, to save their lives, make good entertainment. I mean TV. No. I mean music. I mean movies. And, and w- w- obviously what I mean by that is, I mean, like, you would think on paper, you would think that there it would not be hard to make consistent Christian-based television shows and movies mm-hmm. and music that would appeal to huge swaths of the population, but they can't. And I can't tell if it's because we still do have, even though we're really religious, we still have a secular bent to us. And maybe we don't always all want to hear about Jesus all the time, or if it's just because they suck so bad at making TV yeah. and music and shit. Well, I, think it's, they have, I think it's the, the I, latter. I think it's because they have an agenda in it and they get lost. The storytelling gets lost in the agenda because there's a mission to it. But that said, I will say one of the notable Christian films, also staying in the Cameron family, Candace Cameron Bure's brother, James Cameron, makes a series of end of world. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Thank you. James Cameron. That's her brother. Who's James Cameron? Titanic director. Oh, that's right. He's also an asshole. Oh, but my God. Kirk, Kirk Cameron makes a series of end-of-world Christian-based films that oh, are yeah. we all know so bad, that are so bad good. And in fact, I think they had like massive- Way of the Master. That's what it was called, Way well, of had, the Master. They had massive like ticket sales when it first came well, out. I was going to say, they do actually do well because they're the- there's a bunch of faith-based movies, of course, one featuring mm-hmm. Candace Cameron Ray's daughter- um, that do really well. I think Kathy Lee is in them, but they oh, yeah. like they yeah. do well, and they're sort of like they kind of have this sort of um, they parallel like the Tyler Perry, you know, fierce yeah. audience that's fiercely hungry for conservative content. But I don't. I, mean, I also Tyler see Car- Tyler Perry films too. I love a Tyler Perry. Film. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> remarkably bad. Is it? <laughs> they're remarkably bad. But no. I I guess um it is that is the truth though. It's like you can never find. The only thing that I think of is like, is in terms of Fox News, is that show Red Eye, 
And I'm like, uh-huh. is that show funny? Like, is no, that? No, it's not funny. It's actually, I think, <laughs> I think Red Eye is probably because I've watched it a bunch of times. And in fact, I got asked to do like a thing on it once, and I said no because yeah. I was so, I was watching it, and I was so offended. By some of the shit that they did, that I was just like, "Why is this? Just because this is after hours, why is this shit allowed on the air?" Like, oh yeah, because it was on at like two a.m. Right, and it was the one. It was one of the shows that had like the leading claims of like sexual assault against it by many of the rotating hosts and guests. I will uh-huh. say so because uh-huh. I have a friend who was a regular on it, and then she wrote this sort of like tell-all later that it's mm. yeah, it's uh, a it's a thing. Red Eye was well, ooh, Red Eye was icky. That said. Uh, Tyler Perry's I Can Do Bad All By Myself, mm. Oscar worthy. Hold on, let me, let, me, let me write that down. <laughs> Not even joking. Our guests today are two old queens. <laughs> it's actually the name of their podcast. I'm yeah. not being offensive. John Flynn and Mark Rennie. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. How's it going? You sound yeah. like two old queens. They let do. me just thank tell you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. I embrace both- it. Mm-hmm. John is lying down. Uh, yeah. Like a 14-year-old girl about to talk different. about her like best friend who right. fucked her over. I'm wearing my <laughs> hot pink Madonna t-shirt. Oh, wow. I support that completely. <laughs> you know what? I have a show coming up August oh, yeah? 16th. On her birthday, we're doing a dedication to bedtime stories you should watch. Love it. <laughs> I am. I'm hosting it. It's like a digital okay. show, and it's going to have Alaska Thunderfuck. It's going to have, have a bunch of big queens, and we're going to be doing bedtime stories tribute. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. Hey, we're okay. on. Okay. Right. Good. Good. Wait, no. So, so Mark and John, you guys host this podcast that essentially is trying to find the gayest film mm-hmm. ever. Correct. Right. It's a very Through a numerical yep. system. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's numbers involved. Can you explain system, yes. those numbers? Because I don't understand yeah. numbers. <sighs> well, <laughs> there's like 50 categories, and every guest scores it. A, the first canon categories, which are things like entrances with pizzazz, drag queen inspiration, yeah. homoerotic, uh, homoerotic, yeah, yeah, exactly. Er, the basic. male the classics. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I have to say, because I mean, the three of us, the, the Elliot Bird and I, we've been friends for a long time, and I think I don't know if it's unwritten, and Elliot will fight friends, me on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been acquaintances <laughs> a lot. For a while. Business partners. partners. We're business partners at this point. Mm. We're Gail and I've, I've recognized yeah. their faces for several years. Sure, but sure. the fact that Elliot did your podcast before. Me is offensive because <laughs> I, I am the movie either. buff here. I am the really? movie. I apologize. Elliot well, is the we... TV buff and Brent is the stand up buff. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Tough time to be a stand-up. Wow, though. that's a real. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Alan is quite the cinephile. And that yeah. being said, I was on the episode recently where we talked about the movie Cruisin'. Cruising. Cruising. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's I correct. left you, off the apostrophe. Yeah, what, what is that movie again? <laughs> so if if I may, uh, yes. you may please. You guys please. know better than I do, but I want to say because I can. I can sort of put it into Brent ease in the sense mm. that movies. <laughs> Everyone talks down to me on the podcast. No, no, no. Go ahead. I know because I, I know it. him so well, and I think I talked about it on the podcast. The movie is about um, Al Pacino. Al Pacino going undercover. Al Pacino is a cop, and he goes under, undercover in the early '80s New York to find a killer who is killing, slaughtering, and murdering gay men in the leather scene. 
And I think, mm-hmm. and Brent, oh, okay. I think yeah. I've mentioned it to you before because yeah. Brent and I have the same vasovagal response to certain exactly. elements that made watching <laughs> to fisting. To fisting. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. see, Ooh, is there a fisting scene? There, also, there, there is. is. There is. Oh my they're, god! So they're also nice. the only two people in the world who use the phrase vasovagal. Yeah. <laughs> wait, in the wait, 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 wait. Let in me, the eighty oh. itself. Let me reframe this. Just so I wasn't, I wasn't exaggerating when I say Brent and I have the same response. You can see right now. You don't fisted in the eighties. You don't see. Wow. You don't see the act, but you you see oh, no, the, the suggestion of it, basically. Or I guess oh, okay. you the hint the of act? a fist. Oh, I would say you, I think you said it right. Like you don't see. You see someone laying back. You see someone crisscrossing up his arm, and you see someone doing a very yeah. like. A, <laughs> Brent's gonna pass out. Like a very like a real like deep breath kind of motion. Oh, I love you've it. Seen a, I there's love less graphic it. than but, actual but fisting how- scenes. Though. So, you know, you oh, must have seen actual. He hasn't. He no, hasn't. you've never like stumbled like Come an on. auto preview. Never like enlightened you. No, no. I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen. I, I, I know how to avoid it when I'm on like a porn site, and you, because like that's like a big. For some reason, that's like a big sell. Like. There's always porn sets are always like come to our site we have fisting and so I just I know how to just kind of like let it fly always? off my sh- sort of let it fly through my consciousness but like yeah. it's, it's got to be quick I can't linger long I'm always impressed when someone Ooh. can be fisted because it's such a talent uh, it seems like a lot of work yeah it, it does, does seem like a let's, lot let's of work get, for very little get to payoff the, let's get to the point so like <laughs> he wants to move on how, so how, how, did, how did that movie rank and why. Like, uh, like to give us sort did, of a snapshot did, of this very well. brilliant scale. It was like in the top twenty for well, right now. It's a very gay film. I mean, it's, it's well, pretty gay. Well, yeah. I would say it's very offensively gay. I think in some yes. ways, but it's directed by the guy who did The Exorcist, who famously also, the the nurse in The Exorcist was a gay serial killer. That's a yes. gay movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. But it's um, like also gay, directed but very Boys in the Band. Not fun. Yeah. He's yes. not gay. Boys. And the director's no. gay. Well, but he's like New York City probably touched a dick guy. You know what I mean? He's like, like I've, I've watched some like interviews with him. He's one of those guys who, like, who's such a robot. He might be like, sure. I, you know what I mean? Like sex yeah. might just be yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. He's like, he's like Creed on The Office. You know, I went, I had a lot of sex in the 60s and 70s. A guy might have slipped in. You never know. <laughs> While, to, as, as, uh, to answer Brent's question, I think as the, although it was one of your gayest movies, uh, in, you know, in your... Oh, it was. Yeah, um, yeah. It still had... Um, some severe, um, there were some severe schisms in the sense that, for example, when you guys rape, uh, when you guys uh, sort of uh, uh, figure, uh, look at the music in the movie and see how gay mm-hmm. that is. This movie, for whatever <laughs> reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cruisin had the most <laughs> ma- alpha male, not gay yeah. metal punk. Yeah. And it was so, uh, uh, I forget, yeah. John, who, do you guys remember who it was that said that you'd, You'd, you would never hear the punk music playing in the bar scenes. You'd hear like Donna Summer. Right. At yeah. that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like whenever they went, when they were doing their research, when they went to bars, they were like, oh, they're listening to what other, any gay bars listening to at the time. Oh my they're God. They're just all in jockstraps and leather. Wait, well, did you bring up, did, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the movie, that's the whole problem with the movie that it presents like the gay leather scene is like no fun. It's like super intense and everyone's angry <laughs> all the time. And like, I've been to leather bars and people are still pretty goofy. They're pretty gay they're, there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're it's not like so like intense. Everyone's like so intense and tortured the whole time. It's like, where's the fun in the it was leather a very scene? Childless I, uh, movie, yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah, would exactly. at least I would at least argue that fisting is no fun. But let's continue. Wait, let's, wait let's... I have to ask. So, uh, Mark and Don, did you bring up the the James Franco sequel to Cruising? We did not, but I did watch it at the time, which was uh, uh, it was an interior. It's not a sequel. It's called Interior Leather yes. Bar. Yes. And what the premise was was that how it was pitched is that James Franco was going, there's apparently like 11 lost minutes of footage from cruising that like mm-hmm. they filmed and they were like, you have to cut this off. It's too intense. And so uh, James Franco was like, we're going to recreate that. Uh, those 11 minutes that were cut. He didn't, he basically did like an 11 minute version of cruising with yeah. like a friend of his who was just like, you're going to have to make out with a dude. And it was all about this, like basically like a uh, straight gay panic. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a shocking well, I don't know if the documentary I watched was the actual film. Was James Franco? It's hard in? to know. He's yeah. in it, but he's not in the 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 filming that he's creating. Is James Franco worth navigating these like things? Like what's real? What's no, not no, real? Is no. James Franco worth this? Well, you know no. what I mean? I don't need to indulge his like extravagances. Yeah, I, I agree. But let me ask you guys. So you've done the podcast for a while now. It's such a mm-hmm. you have a, such a brilliant metric. How like what's the top <laughs> five? Or are there any curveballs that have like come along that you're like, holy shit, this is a lot gayer than we thought. Yeah, how is Armageddon gay? Go. <laughs> uh, dramatic lighting. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty. Oh. Liv Ty- the mere existence of Liv Tyler. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a Vogue at home with her once, and she's the gayest oh, person yeah. ever. Yeah. The lip phone? <laughs> yep, the lip phone. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, it has a Diane Warren pen song in it. Yeah. Don't want to close my <laughs> I guess right now our number one is, um, is uh, female, female trouble. trouble. That's number one. Oh, okay. that's classic John Waters film. Margin. Classic yeah. John Waters okay. film. Probably better than Pink Flamingos in my opinion. Absolutely. I think so it's I his think best. It. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. I, and Divine. Oh, my God. What could be but gayer? Is, is, it like in, is it like aggressively gay? Or is it like, like, I guess maybe my question would be, have there ever been like subversively gay movies which is like sort of the themes ended up twisting and like hitting really high on the metric but like you wouldn't have guessed that they were like for a long time the number one movie was Muppets Take Manhattan (laughs) oh (laughs) see that's 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 what I'm looking for that's amazing (laughs) and that that is How did that rank? That was number one for a long time, but you you figure like it's got anything with anything that's a musical is going to do well sure. in the system. But you right. also got cameos by like Joan Rivers, Liza Minnelli. Um, wow. There you go. <laughs> oh, Alan just me. brought a lunchbox. That <laughs> no, was like it was a Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy backpack. I just interviewed Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog. Thank wow. you. What? <laughs> Excuse me. I did. I Congratulations. Did. Coming exciting. out soon. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Joan Rivers is in Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, makeover is another one. The uh, whole makeover scene is like the original video, like YouTube makeover. It is the yeah. best makeover <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. It's also got Bert and Ernie, who are probably, now that I think about it, they were probably gentrifying Sesame Street. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a question. How, you guys haven't done Mrs. Doubtfire yet, right? Correct. No. So I'm wondering, just off the top of your head, your heads, how gay does that feel to you? I don't know, because it maybe be like a little like gay panicky in a way. You know what I mean? Like trans mm-hmm. panicky in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it might come off that way now. Yes. Like there's nothing more horrific than seeing your man, your father dressed as a woman. You know what I, I mean? Also, so I wonder if that won't age well. I think about that because I watch that movie a lot and I 
And I think it actually wait, wait, still wait, watch wait, wait, a lot. You watch you, it a lot. I'm sorry, I think about it a lot. I watched it a lot yeah, as a kid. Yeah, right. But I never He watches sure. it a lot. I never I, thought of I, I never thought of it even like, you know, in retrospect. I don't think it had a lot of gay panic to it. I think it had like moments of like, you know, Milton Berle-esque, you know, right. uh, drag. But I think back to it and I thought it was re- more on the sensitive side. And I think that was also shepherded by Harvey Firestein, like exactly. co-signing yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also better shepherd. Rob- yeah. <laughs> Robin Williams. Also, uh, the Harvey Firestein's like husband in the film, Scott, he's a great comic. I'm forgetting his last name now, but something Scott. Scott Bale. No, they. Oh. <laughs> so funny. He's such so a great funny, comic. Scott Bale. So, such a comic. <laughs> no, but it was, it, it was important to Robin. I was, because I remember I talked to Scott about this. It was important for Robin Williams to have that gay sort of brother story so that it would like make robin williams character have the sense to even have this be a possibility i just remembered mm. the husband you're right i remember yeah. that guy but also i remember harvey firestein and robin williams i was like these two could there's no world in which these two are related no <laughs> <laughs> the wackiest of sitcoms are these two brothers yeah. <laughs> wait so how when you're looking at like because i'm fascinated by films like Top Gun and and these other mm. films that you've done yeah. that aren't on its surface very gay, although they're very homoerotic. I mean, the yes. volleyball scene is right. absolutely yeah. homoerotic. How do you like? Do you approach it from an aesthetic standpoint, like the lighting I, or the music? Absolutely. Every we have over fifty categories at this point, so we do have a category <laughs> that is just dramatic lighting. We have entrances with pizzazz. We have feel songs. So yeah, like. But then there's also at the end, which kind of delineates true gay movies from just homoerotic movies. You get a fifteen percent bonus for a positive portrayal of homosexuality. Oh, so nice. Top Gun's not going to get that, but yeah. Female oh, Trouble right. will. Yeah. Right. What, what yeah. Did, I mean, I am not. A, I don't think I've ever actually seen. Top Gun. What? Yeah, I haven't either. I'm not a movie. I love how you said the title right now so gingerly. Like, I think these are the two words of the title. (laughs) I just there's a lot of like movies that people love that I just have never seen or cared cared to see. Yeah, but Top Gun, I know my friend was watching it. I remember watching seeing like a moment where it was like Tom Cruise making out with Kelly. McGillis. McGillis. And I was like, yes. from Witness, gay so icon. Yeah, the yes. most, and it's, it's, I think it's pretty much all I saw. And it was the most chaste, unromantic <laughs> sex yeah, yeah, sure. I've ever seen. And he, I'm pretty sure he, she's on top of something about the way they're positioned felt so chaste. And didn't she? Yeah, talk no one's having her. a good time in that sex scene. <laughs> and she's mm-hmm. gay now, right? Yes, well, she, she is gay now. She's now. Now. So how did that movie line up? You know, how, how, how gay was that movie? It's pretty gay. I That's mean, there's like gay. tons of homoerotic. There's tons of like shirtless dudes. There's tons of like yeah. innuendo. Like I'm going to be riding your tail and like you could be my wingman. Any, I mean, the very title Top Gun sounds like a sexual partner, you know. Mm-hmm. But does it feel um, in that, in that, in the case with that movie, or, or any of the movies you guys watch, does it feel like you see that you're that you're rating them on this on the idea that they have this gay appeal, or does it feel like some of these movies actually come from a male gaze? Like, like I don't know who directed Top Gun, but like, could there be a world in which oh, there is this underlying subversive queerness to this movie, or like, or is it a mix of both? I'm I'm just curious. Yeah. I do think you can tell a director's sexuality by how they 
mm-hmm. <laughs> shoot things. Really? Like he looked the original. <laughs> I was Battleship Potemkin is like this silent Russian film. And like, there's mm-hmm. all of a sudden a scene with like these Russian men working in like a factory with like lots of steam. And it looks like Madonna's yeah. expressed herself video. And you're like, Oh, this director is gay. Cause who <laughs> else would choose to shoot it like this? Well, you know, yeah. you know to, to that point, I'm uh, sorry, Brent. I just want to, I just want to say there, yeah. there's this, not a movie, but do you guys remember the music video for Billy Joel's Allentown? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so Allentown, yes. that's a very gay video. I, There's a gay video that's gay. so My funny. Super gay. Head. There's like a guy in like jean shorts nude. doing like ballet There's moves. There's a nude guy. <laughs> There's a nude male shower what? scene. Literally has like flaming batons. He is spinning. It like is it's crazy. Insane. And I and I <laughs> it is it is truly the gayest music video. I probably could ever. not believe it when I watched it recently and was like, because I remember seeing it as a kid and it didn't. I just don't remember it. Of course, you don't know. Of course. And as an adult, I was like, this shit is the, this is like Joel Schumacher level gay. And it's a Billy mm. Joel song about like, you know, post-war, like blue collar yeah, workers. Yeah. I couldn't you believe know, I, it. I, I had an interesting experience because I have some, some close friends who are hetero, uh, <sighs> normative. So no, hetero, oh, wow. no. Uh, they're straight, but they love <laughs> wrestling. And sure. I watched wrestling. Oh my God. Yes. As a kid, I was like, wrestling is like number one erotic. And so I just, mm. I was like, how can like, I just remember thinking, how can you not see the sort of the eroticism, eroticism in it? And watching it with them, they would even comment on bodies, like certain mm-hmm. physiques, not like in an erotic way. They wouldn't be like, man, that guy's hot. But it was interesting right. to, to watch my straight friends comment on like physiques and stuff, which is, I think, a part of the show and a part of whether someone's a villain or not sometimes. And it, but to them, it's like just didn't you know, it just doesn't delve into, obviously doesn't delve into the erotic for them, which is... I think for, like, gay mm. men, we spend, there's such, like, a desert of anything that we're always, like, kind of hunting for any glimpse of gay. So, Mm. like, when you're, like, a straight man, you don't, you get your erotic needs fulfilled. Everything, Turning on everything. (laughs) It's served towards you. So, But we gotta, like, hunt high and low. That's 1,000% it. I mean, like, Mm. uh, straight directors who have that sort of very gay lens on a lot of their films, it really shows that, like, there is a fluidity to male sexuality and it does come through in these sort of different ways in which we communicate about sexuality. And I think wrestling is one of them. I think filmmakers, the lighting of the abs and the butt and the Allentown video (laughs) is one of them. But there's also films like one of the films to me, one of the gayest films of all time and the most subversive, but yet almost obvious gay storyline is Rebel Without a Cause. That film. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like that one recently. It screams gay the whole film is about a gay kid lusting after james dean and james dean kind of knowing it to me that is the gayest film i I kind (laughs) of see that it's so good and it's like not even like you would think about it being released in 1955 and you're like how did people not just pick up on this like how was this not obvious to everybody watching this film because like, what did they think the problem was what did they yeah. think the issue was <laughs> what like what he has his picture in his fucking locker yeah huh. i was just a boy who's just really into his older uh gorgeous <laughs> friend you know yeah, it's a right. story doesn't that happen in the movie ben-hur what? Spartacus. 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 Well, Spartacus, <laughs> like, it, wasn't it like Roman times? Wasn't that Spartacus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. So like so every, swords and sandals. Yeah, yeah. swords and sandals. So everyone was gay then, and it was okay. I just I just sent you guys the article on the blowjobs things, and you get killed if you didn't come. <laughs> Hmm. No, but Ellen, the Romans, I, tough but I think fair. you're right. I think there is a scene in Ben-Hur where, like, the notoriously the director didn't tell Charlton Heston 
he told the other actor, you two are like, they're, they were like, they're playing friends who haven't seen each other for years. And he told one of them, like, in, in, like when you were in what would have been high school, you were lovers. But he didn't tell Charlton Heston that because he knew Charlton Heston wouldn't play it that of way. Course. So the no. other actor is playing it like, and you can see that he's like, oh, I'm being reunited with someone who like I had this passionate relationship when I was younger. Yes, that's um, right. I remember seeing that somewhere and was like, oh, I get it. I can Again, it's like if you are hungry for content or representation in some way, or you're mm-hmm. just like, hungry for like, and horny, you know, especially as like a young person, (laughs) you can try to find it in anything, but there are some movies that, and TV shows that, but really movies that just lay it out there for you. Just, you know, plain and plain and clear, right. Right. In the, you know, a hundred percent. So you guys, I, one of the things like hosting a podcast like this, one of the things that I think you, I would assume you probably get asked all of the time is like, well, what is the gayest film? But for you, what do you think is the most important gay film for queer people to watch? To me right now, personally, I just watched it again. It is female trouble because it does. (laughs) What I like about it is like the, it does have that punk rock queer mentality of like, well, we're not part of your mainstream world, you know, your mainstream heteronormative society. So fuck it. Like I burn the whole thing down. Like Mm -hmm. I love the irreverent attitude and not trying to even cater to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. I love just the, that, that uh, subversiveness element to it. And uh, so for me, that is essential viewing. What about you, John? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think there's something about right now too, like rewatching female trouble, uh, like the, how it feels like now, like there's no, like, I love that sense of like, let's just be again, like irreverent in that sense of like, let's not be all nice and weird. Let's just be like, you know what? I don't know. There's something about that sort of, uh, punk rock spirit that I think is like missing right now that I thought was really fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean those, but you know, like I'm never... You know, it's never bad to check in with Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what about what about a movie like The Outsiders? Have because that to me, like, I remember reading that book literally with a semi the whole time because, like, it just was like camaraderie and like bro, you know that kind of white t-shirts, jeans, white mm-hmm, t-shirts, yeah. like no parents, no it's rules. Basically, the Allentown video. Yeah, like have you have you done <laughs> The Outsiders on on we the haven't. podcast? We have not done that one yet. We did Toy Soldiers, which is also oh, a group that of yeah, very, very pervy, bizarrely yeah. pervy. That one. You know what's so oh what's so odd too is that in thinking about it, I just read an article. <laughs> it's an older article, but it was like what what eighties movies taught me about rape culture. Oh yeah, but it's <laughs> I've seen that while scrolling through Twitter. Yes, but it's yeah. it's it's so. It's so real because the author talks about how in all these raunchy 80s movies, and I mean, we can, you can think about them. It, all, it was consistent. Mm. They weren't just raunchy in that it was like hot girls. They were raunchy in that there were always like peep shows and peep holes and guys sneaking pictures of girls and locker rooms and mm. all this like really creepy, um, uh, almost... Um, manipulative behavior toward right. women mm. that meant to just like turn them not into just sex at sex dolls, but to do it without them knowing. And so yeah. understandably, mm-hmm. I, I too w- loved the outsiders, but even more than that, <laughs> I don't think I saw the movie of it. I don't know if there is a movie, but the like the most homoerotic uh, thing that I remember from childhood is Lord of the flies. 
Oh, oh yeah, that is pretty. Hot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you might have to revisit. It, yeah, that. I love. No, I love John, books you're too or old. movies no, about no, no, no. boys <laughs> fighting. Did you like? I always yeah, enjoyed yeah, like boys fight, like people fighting. What about like like I Goonies or Stand by Me? You know, what about or or like mm-hmm. Sandlot or any of those like. For me as a kid, it was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when like oh. Harrison Ford is like possessed with his like shirt off. Uh, yeah, yes. oh, oh, yeah. And he doesn't have his hat. He like that was like I literally eye opening. What about <laughs> sci-fi? Were there any? I, I don't know if, if you've done any sci-fi. Um, on Solo, uh, on the other flip side, same coin. Um, this isn't. This is more fantasy than sci-fi, but Beastmaster. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I see uh, that. That's one that my mom loved too. Like, but like, I just it's his mother singer, all oiled up in a loincloth, uh-huh. with like a tiger mm-hmm. in the background. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. I thought. I mean, to me, like homoerotic was always about oppression. So school ties was really oh. up my alley. <laughs> I oh. loved school. I mean, school. T- that whole like, I'm a Jew, <laughs> but no one can know, and I'm going to take a shower with all these Gentiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, has <laughs> done white squall. Oh, my doublehead VCR broke on that film because I, yeah. I, I kept pausing it, pausing it whenever the, the underwear got wet. What I, hi- yes. what I highly recommend is that you put that to the top of the list because I don't think there's a, a movie that has any more homoerotic gays sex appeal than White Squall. Yeah, we do that. You get the fifteen percent bone. So few. We've done fifty-four movies at this point, and I think Mm -hmm. maybe less than five have gotten the fifteen percent bonus for a positive portrayal of home, (laughs) which is like shocking. It seems like the easiest thing. Yeah, just Mm -hmm. like a positive, but like so, most movies fail that. What about animated? Are there any cartoons that you've done yet? Secret of Nim. Secret of Nim, I think, is the only animated (laughs) movie. Not very gay. Not very gay. No. (laughs) Secret of Nim. Wait, what's that about? Rats. Uh, yeah, it's about a bunch of rats who get super intelligence and have to move where they're living. Yeah, I just remembered to, this oh, week wow. that, that I just remembered <laughs> and had to double check to see if I had imagined it that Charlotte's Web featured Paul Lind. Uh huh. Uh, you Lynn had to rats. double check that. Yeah, because I was like, yeah. you had to double check. Was that real? Okay. Did that real? Yeah, it's a hundred percent real. Oh, and that Templeton movie is rat. so good. It is. Mm-hmm. Now, before before we let you go, one more question: <laughs> Is there a movie? that was meant to be super gay, super queer, and that just didn't deliver? Fell flat. Fell yeah. flat. That's a good question. Let me, I'm, thankfully, mm-hmm. I cheated. Yeah, he has, have our list of things the, in, front of, list in front of me. Well, I wonder about, like, A Star is Born. Well, well, we've only done the, the recent one. We've only done the Bradley Cooper yeah, one. The, uh, that, that's the one that's in the top seen. five. Oh, it's in the top five gayest? It's pretty good. It has that's actually one you've seen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that film. You haven't like, seen Barbara's? You seem like you'd be a big Barbara file. No, oh, that's me. I, I, that's I don't me. care at all. <laughs> I don't um, care at all. I don't but, either. But. but the thing is, is like a, a film like A Star is Born, I feel like, isn't intended to be really gay, but it's intended to have a gay response to it. And in the effect that A Star is Born was massive, it did have a gay response because people went sure. to go see it. It was a massive hit. Same with the Judy Garland version. Same with the Barbara version. I mean, it has a gay yeah. audience, but it's not mm-hmm. a gay, I wouldn't say it's a gay It's film. not like a gay story. I yeah. agree. I mean, written and directed by Bradley Cooper. Uh, I mean, that's pretty gay. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> what, what fell, what, what fell flat? What fell flat? Um, we need to do Showgirls again, because we did it in a yeah. previous scoring system, which was yeah, heavily... Yeah. 
uh, it wasn't fair to the later movie. So I am dying. It. Can I just tell you? And when you do yeah. Showgirls, I'm gonna I'm gonna request to be on that one because I <laughs> love Showgirls. Okay, I love it too. It I just needs sure. a booking. No, it is so like we have. My boyfriend has a the, the massive collector's edition box set. Yeah, the box set that came with the shot glasses and yes, the, yes. And we got that. I, this is a Showgirls house. <laughs> you know, you know what? Like you guys, if you had like merch or something, or this is just my idea. So sorry. I, but I feel like the like cosmic loophole for everything about your podcast is the most recent version of Hairspray and specifically John Travolta playing a woman. That to me is like everything short circuiting in your podcast. It almost doesn't that make might sense. Happen. Yeah, yeah. Why did, coming from inside the yet, house, right? Yeah. <laughs> why did they try to make him look realistic? That's what I don't it's get. Hard, because right? like the, the whole thing was divine was a man. He looked like a man playing a mom. And even in the Broadway musical, Harvey Firestein looks like a man. Like, why are you doing this? And that's okay, Alan. <laughs> that's certainly Son less distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys so much thank for doing guys. this. Thank you guys. Thank you for doing it, guys. Where can people follow the podcast and follow you guys on the internet? Uh, you can follow us at two. That's the podcast is two old queens, and you can follow us at two old queens, T W O old queens, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and all that fun stuff. Um, and then, Mark, you have a. I have a Twitter account. It's just my name. <laughs> Very easy. It's nothing groundbreaking. Uh-huh. Um, Mark Rennie, yeah. R E N N I E. That's exactly right. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thanks, thank guys. You. Thanks for doing thank it. You. Thank you so much. Well. You yeah. too. And another thing. So I have always been a fan of Angela Merkel, uh, Chancellor of Germany. You're not alone. A- Alan is right up, is right with me on that. We've talked about her several times on the podcast, but I recently had the epiphany that she really is the ultimate diva, for lack of a better term. And it all stems from a story that I read about Trump and CNN a couple weeks ago. The article details how unprofessional and ineffective Trump is when dealing with foreign leaders, in particular our own allies, um, which is, of course, fundamentally disturbing. But it also discusses how nasty he is, in particular to women leaders, including Merkel, who he calls stupid uh, on the phone with. But it kind of it's like this amazing moment when, of course, the article is uh, uh, is talking to a lot of anonymous German and American officials who have been privy to these phone calls. But they always say that despite how aggressive and, quote, nearly sadistic Trump is, that America remains completely unaffected and unflappable the entire time. And she always counters his diatribes with what they call, quote, recitation of fact. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about her because I think she's the ultimate like badass, right? Mm-hmm. And but she no, doesn't get a lot of like gay street cred. Uh, she does. She does. does in, she? Yeah, in 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 Germany, she does. I mean, sure. she's like she's even though she is surprisingly Christian. I mean, she's she's a devout right. Christian, and she she attends church, and she's very and she's a member of Christian Democratic something party. Um, but that said, she's also in. Incredibly liberal when it comes to gay rights, and and so 
they like her and there is this whole like slew of lesbians who have like fan clubs for her. Mm-hmm. So she she's very popular amongst the the lesbians. But but to be fair Alan, she did vote against gay marriage legislation she in 2017. She did. She was for years, but I mean she terms and when I say gay rights I mean more so right. in terms of like Germany in general has been very progressive when it comes to non-discrimination, when it comes to housing rights and during the AIDS epidemic to medical care. I mean, Germany had been a leader in Europe in that, right? Gay marriage was a very separate issue. But do you want to tell everyone about her her incredible COVID speech, her coronavirus speech? <laughs> yes, she basically said, "We're all going to die." No, mm-hmm. she. But she 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 stood up there and she gave the facts. She gave the scientific facts about about what what laid ahead for Germany. And Germany played an uh, an integral part in when COVID sort of spread to to Europe. Right. Um, one of the first cases I think was in Germany, and she was very sort of stoic about how this was going to go. And then literally, maybe two hours later, she was photographed in a grocery store stocking up on toilet paper, on wine, wine. basically yeah. everything that you would do before you have to go into lockdown, all by herself, mind you. I mean, I'm right. She's shopping alone in this like yeah. very famous picture. Uh, yeah, I think that's- People love it in Europe too. Say that again? Is she beloved across the board? No, she's not, she's not beloved across the board. There is, she is a controversial figure in that, in 2018, 19, when the whole uh, immigration and border conversation started and uh, immigrants were coming from the South up into Germany and Germany had sort of an open door policy for a lot of immigrants. And then of course it caused a lot of problems which led to some issues in Germany. And she, she, was, she wasn't so popular for the past two mm. years. So she is a polarizing figure politically. We're more obsessed with her in terms of how she doesn't give a fuck about putting on a show. She is just doing her fucking job. That famous meeting, that first meeting between her and Trump in 2017, I think, when they're sitting in the uh, Oval Office and Trump says something ridiculous and then he won't shake her hand or something. Oh, yeah. And and her her response to him is just sort of like, okay. Right. Like, Like it was nothing. Like it didn't affect her at all, which I love. There's a bunch of clips online of her responding to Putin, like rolling her eyes and staring Mm -hmm. at him. And she also another. So she's famously been considered one of the most powerful women in the world for basically the last decade or so. Um, I mean, as is the leader of, you know, uh, the female leader of the most powerful economy in Europe. But uh, she also maintained the the closest ties with Putin uh, throughout most of her leadership. Uh, which is which was really good. Apparently, I remember reading even when uh, like Russia invaded Crimea back in mm-hmm. what was it, 2014, that they were saying that like she was on the phone with Putin almost every day uh, to sort of like keep a, like an escal to, to keep things from escalating further, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really important you know, you well, know backdoor that, communications is really important and and I that just think history it's really that history there is really 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 interesting in that. You know, Merkel is her political career has been defined by the fact that she grew up and was raised in East Germany, and right. she she grew up under sort of KGB rule. And Putin is famously a former KGB agent, and and that relationship has always been really fascinating to watch because, you know, she saw people die because of people like him. She mm-hmm. saw family members die because of people like him, and and she's able to maintain a distant relationship, but also show that she can still work with this dude while Mm -hmm. Germany sort of sees him as a very scary figure in the world, especially many people who grew up in East Germany. Who's the closest, I'm sorry. 
No, I was just going to say Putin, they, they started off their relationship kind of rocky because Angela Merkel, the, the one thing that does frazzle her are dogs. Mm-hmm. And that was well <laughs> known about her when she became chancellor. And so the first time she met Putin, he let his like big ass dog roam yeah. around them while they were like doing the photo op. And it's like, you see how incredibly uncomfortable she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is <laughs> but the history of that even, I think goes back, if I, if I recall right, it goes back to East Germany stuff too, because people couldn't have like right. pets in that way. And dogs were used mainly as a defense mechanism by agents and police and security forces. So I think that stems back to her KGB or to East Germany days. What were you going to say, Elliot? Who's For you guys, who is the closest... Uh, to Angela Merkel in American politics that you would say is a mm. sort of diva folk hero for y'all. See, I, you I, know, I think that's the problem is that like, it's, it's hard to be in, in American culture. I think it's hard for a woman to be so stoic without being mm-hmm. deemed, you know, without being sort of Shrill seen in a negative light. Old. Yeah. Shrill. What, you know, what, how, however people would want to paint her, which is why I think Merkel to me is so compelling and, and unique is because she kind of fits the the stereotype of mm-hmm. you know a sort of a, an efficient German, so to speak. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna how dare myself. Um, <laughs> you just so, you just how dare oh, just you, son, you son of a bitch. Uh, I was I was really looking forward to her. I was so bummed when Hillary lost, of course, but I was more so bummed that I couldn't see the relationship between Hillary and Angela Merkel. Yeah. play out in the way that because i mean they had historically been very very close and there's so many pictures of them having fun together and laughing and giving speeches together and shit and i was just yeah. like oh that is gonna be a good show i know yeah that's like its own thelma and louise <laughs> <laughs> for the world the but world. the only the only poli- female politician that i think mirrors on, on a very smaller scale mirrors sort of the stoic almost not angry but like we'll just say whatever and she's no longer a senator, but Barbara Mikulski, <laughs> in oh, a weird sure. way. Because Barbara Mikulski, former Maryland senator, um, she had she was the longest serving. She I think she currently is maybe the longest serving female U.S. senator in history. And she um, she famously just sort of said anything. She didn't hold back. She was just sort of had that that sort of Angela Merkel vibe to her that she would just lay it out like it is. Hmm. I feel like the closest we get to it is like. Maxine Waters? Yeah, maybe. She's a bit eh. of a show showboat, I think. Yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of the only gay barometer, which is who has played any of these characters who, on who, Snatch who's Game. Who's been memed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or memed, exactly. Yeah. And that's Hillary and Maxine. so aggressively? <laughs> yeah, Hil- yeah, Hillary and Maxine are definitely... Elizabeth I, I, Warren, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'd love to see Dr. Jill Biden become, like, have her, like, uh, her any speeches she makes used used for like lip syncing performances i guess maybe in a weird way condoleezza rice could yeah be i see that center too. right and also kind of like stoic to a certain she's sense. a queen <laughs> those first 10 <laughs> minutes those first 10 minutes of the uh democratic presidential debate with with bloomberg the only one he appeared at i think or maybe the mm. first one and when elizabeth warren took him down in that beautiful Incredible. first 10 minute performance that gave me angela merkel vibes that was just mm. sort of like what angela merkel would do if she had to do it god bless I, how god do you say bless. it in german <laughs> yeah right how i do don't know actually german? uh I, just, guten I don't know something i don't know guten Gutenberg. No, God is God. It's G-O-T, I think. God. God. Whatever. Uh, Wiener Schnitzel. 
What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard today on the show? God bless in German as God signa. <laughs> oh, she knows a lot. She knows. She's been doing a lot of researching on the Germans recently. That's great. Uh, Planning a move. <laughs> Aunt Joanne would probably say, call me when Hallmark does a Hanukkah movie. Which I don't think they have, right? I would doubt. Has anyone done a Hanukkah Very movie? Serious. Has no, a Jew done that. a Hanukkah movie? Just no. Adam Sandler. <laughs> That's true. How about Aunt uh, Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, now, I have supported this podcast for years, but the moment you come for my Candace Cameron beret, <laughs> I am unsubscribing and giving you a horrible rating. Wait, let me give you one quick little footnote about Candace Cameron Bure. Mm. Michelle Collins, who's another comedian mm-hmm. who we love, said she did The View with her. And on day one, when they both co-hosted The View, Michelle said to, uh, Michelle said to Candace Cameron Bure, she wore a Candace Cameron Bure. And Candace was stone-faced. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Michelle on. This, yes. this is the Let's podcast where you hear about The View and you hear about <laughs> Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, <laughs> I did not know existed until quite literally 25 minutes ago. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. 